You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Well, hey, we, like I said, we're talking about miraculous freedom today. And uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles. John chapter 8 is where we're going to start today. And um, freedom is actually like a very big part of our vision as a church. Really what we, what we believe is God's vision for your life. Um, it's a spiritual journey where we want you to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. And um, just so you kind of know how today is going to go. So I'm going to spend like a good chunk of time today kind of laying some like foundation and groundwork. Like, what is freedom and like, why do we need it? Um, just kind of like laying a good foundation and then we're going to jump into kind of our main text today and we'll, we'll go through that together uh, and then we're going to close. And at the end of service today, we're actually going to have kind of an extended time of prayer. Um, and that's something that we're doing in this series where we, we really don't want to just like study miracles in the Bible, but we want to actually like raise our own faith and experience them in our own lives. And so today at the end of service, we're going to have uh, an extended time of prayer. So John chapter 8, um, what is freedom? So John chapter 8, we'll start in verse number 31. It says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, now, in verse 30 of this text, it tells us that these people are actually believers. Like, they are new to faith in Jesus, but they're believers. And, and he uses the phrase in this text, set you free, which I think can be a little bit confusing or may not make sense. Because he's talking to believers, and, and I think the, the thought is, well, like, if he's talking to believers, like, I thought they were free when they commit their life to Jesus. And that is true. But the reality is we become free from the penalty of sin when we are saved, but we need to be set free from the power of sin. And so it's that process of, like, when I commit my life to Jesus, like, I'm set free from the penalty of sin in my life, but... But I am also in this continual process, like my mind, the things I think about, my, my decisions, my will, my emotions, like those are in this continual process to be like Jesus and to look more like Jesus. And um, later on in that same chapter, in, in John chapter 8, in verse 44, he actually, they kind of go back and forth in this dialogue, but he actually tells us why we need freedom, and why this process exists. Uh, and we need freedom because of the devil and the work of the devil. And so in, in verse 44, it says this, he was a murderer, he's talking about the devil, from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 also says this. It's kind of the devil's job description in plain sight. It says the, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. I always feel like when I read that verse, it's like the opportunity for a Southern accent. It's like steal and kill and destroy. Like it's always a struggle for me. But um, so that's his job. Like that is why he exists is to steal from us 
to, to kill, to destroy. And um, I'm actually going to go through like a visual. You'll see it on the screen behind me to kind of help us understand like, like what is at work here. But we'll start with the devil. The devil is real. He's against everything that God is for. Um, he is a real and cunning source of evil in our world. And that exists on like a global scale, things like hate, racism, injustice, poverty. Um, But it also exists on like an individual level in our own lives. And um, so how does the devil work? What, What are his tools? What does he use? The devil works through lies. Again, verse 44 in this text said, he is the father of lies. Um, he works through lies. He works through lies about God. Like he, he tells us lies about God. He tells us lies about ourselves. And he tells us lies about like what will actually make us happy or bring us satisfaction in life outside of God. And the truth is, he's done this from like the very beginning of scripture. Like from the garden, he has been telling lies. And the truth is, he's really good at it. Like he's very deceptive and he's very good at it. And the reason that he's good at it is because he doesn't come to us and say things like this. Hey, you want to know a lie? Elvis Presley is alive and he lives in Mexico. Or Tupac, like whatever works. It's not that, right? Who cares, right? Nobody cares about that, but he comes to us with lies that are like personalized to us, that are like connected to our emotions, that are connected to things that we've experienced in our own lives. Um, So it's the grown man who was like berated by his father, who believes the lie like, I will only be as successful as I am at, at my job. It's... It's the college girl who, when scrolling through Instagram and the mirage that it is, believes like, I'm ugly and I'm actually unworthy of love. It's the couple who, after struggling with infertility and having a miscarriage and still waiting to get pregnant, hears the lie and believes like God actually He actually doesn't care. He's actually not working for you. And so the the enemy comes and he's he's speaking these lies to us over and over again. And this is why following Jesus sometimes feels like a war. Because it is. It is. Christianity isn't a playground. It's a battleground. And so how do we fight those lies, right? How do we fight those lies? We fight them through discipleship. In John chapter eight, again, that text, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how do we fight lies? We, we do that through discipleship through obeying the teachings of Jesus and becoming more like him. All that discipleship is, is just becoming more like Jesus every day for the rest of our lives. It's a process. It's a journey. Um, the, the root of the word disciple is also the same root word for discipline. And if that word is triggering for you, I can understand. Um, but think of the word like habits or practices. Like it is, 
It is the things that we do, and habits are like a buzzword in our culture right now, like books that are bestsellers, like the power of habits and atomic habits, and and the whole like message or what those books are saying is that we form our habits, and then our habits form us, right? Like what we choose to do, those habits that make up our lives, we determine them, and then we do them, and then they create who we want to become. And the same thing is true about following Jesus. That's why we like bang the drum of like, hey, read your Bible, pray, like be in community with people, like Sabbath, like please rest, like fasting, things like that. It's the same concept. We create those habits and those habits create who we become. Uh, And so we fight lies through discipleship. And if you've been around our church, uh, you know that this is kind of like what we talk about as a part of our church, like 90% of the time. Like we believe so much in this. But there's also another way that the devil works. And that's what we're going to talk about today while we're looking at the miracles of Jesus. And that is through demonic influence. Demonic influence. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, it's good. Um, some of you are like, this is where this church gets weird. Like, um, and, and why, like, why does that feel weird? Like we all know that guy, you know who I'm talking about? That guy who like comes and he's like, man, devil's attacking me. Devil's attacking me. The devil attacked me on the way to church this morning. I got in a fight with my wife. And when I hear things like that, I want to be like, hold up, sir, hold up. You're telling me that the devil, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, who, by the way, like is the leader of all evil in the world, who is not omnipresent, meaning he can only be in one place at one time. That devil showed up this morning in your minivan. <laughs> like, you're telling me that, right? It's, it's like we all, we've heard stuff like that, right? And so our tendency is to kind of reject that and to swing the pendulum to the other side and just to say, like, it's not real. Like, I don't, that stuff is weird, so it's not real. Um, and a saying is one of the greatest lies that Satan has ever convinced man of is that he doesn't exist. In our culture, that I think is probably where most of us find ourselves, right? Um, so how do we fight demonic influence? We, f- we fight it through what's called deliverance. And again, probably have heard that word um, if you've been around church before, but all deliverance is is the action of setting something free. That's all that it is. And um, as I was thinking about this and kind of have been studying this for a while, I was thinking about um, <clears throat> a story from my own life. And um, so just a quick background on me. I graduated college. My degree's in social work. Um, when I graduated college, I started working at a church full time. And I did that for probably seven or eight years um, until we started planning Queen City. And so I moved here about four years ago to help start the church. But at that time, like, I went and found a job just in the marketplace until now I'm able to work for the church full time. But at that time, I was trying to find a job when I moved to the city. And um, I saw an ad for a job for a large, it's Fidelity Investment, so a large brokerage firm in the area. 
and it said that they were one of the top employers in the in this area and I was like well that's cool and I have zero background in finance like my degrees in social work but like it says that they'll train me sounds good uh, I did not learn about the stock market in school like my school we learned about useful things like parallelograms and how to play <laughs> hot cross buns on a recorder anybody else that was my we didn't learn about the stock market and so but I'm like okay I'll apply I go I got an interview it's actually the day after I moved to Cincinnati so I drive there I go to my interview and um I like pull in I'm a little bit early and I'm like sitting in my car and I'm like I'm a fraud like they're not going to hire me because I know nothing about this. And so I pulled out my phone and I went to the place where we all go when we have great questions in life, google.com, and I I googled what is a stock. For real, true story. And um so I went into the interview, long story short, I ended up getting the job. And um they get, they take you through this like intense training process for like 8 or 9 months. And by the time I finished, I was actually like a stock trader. So I would trade stocks, equities, like options, um mutual funds, like all of it, and I'm like talking to people and explaining this to them. And um the truth is like before like when I finished my training, I felt like I had entered this portal into another world that had like existed, but I never knew about it. Like I didn't know about how the economy worked and the stock market. Like I didn't know those things. But the reality is that they existed even though I didn't know about it. And the truth is that's what's happening in the spiritual world, right? Just because you may not be familiar with the devil or demons or that's a foreign concept to you doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Today is about like let's open our eyes and like let's see these things and expose the enemy for who he is. Um so today let's look at Mark chapter 5. That's going to be our main text and you'll see the scripture um on the screen. So it says this, and this is the miracle of Jesus that we're looking at today. So so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, "Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me." For Jesus had already said to the spirit, "Come out of the man, you evil spirit." Then Jesus demanded, "What is your name?" And he replied, "My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man." Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. 
the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Okay, this is an interesting story, right? Um, And so I want to kind of walk through this story with you just a little bit. Um, And the first point I want to make about this story is that demons are real. Um, Demons are real. And we talked about the devil earlier. So what is a demon? Um, When the devil actually fell from heaven, which I don't have time to go into that today, but a third of the angels actually fell with him. And so that's where the demons come from, okay? Demons are actually disembodied spirits. So they're, they're a spirit, an evil spirit that's looking for a body. Um, and the text says that the demon refers to himself as legion. A, a legion is a Roman military term that means around 5,000 soldiers. So what this man is saying, or the demon is saying through this man, is that he, he has like five or 6,000 demons inside of him, okay? Second thing is this, they influence people. So demons influence people. Um, So the text tells us in verses one through five that the demonic spirits were tormenting him, that he lives in a cave, he cuts himself, he howls, like he could not be restrained. Um, And so we can assume from this text and what we know that this man does not have a relationship with Jesus. So he's, he's unsaved. And every unsaved person is controlled to a certain extent by Satan, although the awful things described here may, may not be evidence in their lives. Okay, let me show you this in scripture. Ephesians chapter two, verse two says this, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Okay, So when we are saved, like when we commit our life to Jesus, before that, we have some level of authority that the enemy has in our lives, okay? When we're saved, our ownership or the like authority of our lives is transferred to Jesus. And Jesus then has authority over our lives. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us, into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Okay, so we are in the kingdom of darkness before we know Jesus. So the enemy, there's some sort of control he has over us, although we may not look like this person in the text, okay? But when we, the good news is, very good news, when we commit our life to Jesus, the enemy no longer has authority over us. We are under the authority of the kingdom of God. Okay, Um, so then I think the second question is, it's like, okay, that might be like a little hard to understand or maybe even offensive, but like, what if I like follow Jesus? Like, can a demon have influence over me? Um, And I want to look at Luke chapter 13 really quick. Um, We see a story And I'll just read the text from here. So one day, or one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. 
Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand up straight, and she praised God. So this woman, um, the text tells us that she was sick for 18 years, but it tells us that the root of that sickness was actually an evil spirit. And um, this woman was not like the man in Mark chapter 5 who was like living in a cave, unrestrained, like cutting herself. This woman, it tells us she's in a synagogue. She's in church on a Sunday, surrounded by community, listening to the teachings of Jesus. So she's, she, she's a Christian. She follows Jesus. And um, so how do you explain this? So in, in the original Greek language, um, we have, every time the word possessed is translated into English, it's always possessed, right? But in the actual original language, there's actually five different words for possession. So the Greeks actually loved owning things. And so they, ha- they actually had five different words for possession. Um, so when we think of possession, we think of ownership, right? Like, you know, these are my shoes, I own them, right? Like, that's what we think of when we think of possession. But in this text and in the New Testament, the word for demon-possessed in the Greek is actually daimonai zomai. Say it with me. Daimonai zomai. Okay, you sound smart. Um, but a, bit, a better translation of that word is not ownership. It's actually, like, mastery or control, or influence. Um, The best example that I can think of is like, let's say you came to church this morning and you left your house or your apartment and you forgot to lock the door. And so you came to church, you eat lunch, you go home, and you realize like when you get there, there's actually someone who has broken into your home. Like you left that door open and they've broken into, into your home and they're actually like taking your things and vandalizing your house and and it's really sad, right? But that's the picture that we're talking about here. It's like, does that thief, if they're in your home when you go home, does that thief own your home? No. But they have some level of like control or mastery or influence at that time in your house until they leave, until you ask them to leave or what, by whatever means necessary. Um, So, I think the question is, well, like, do I have a demon? Like, what, how do I know? Like, what does that look like? And, and again, there's nothing to be afraid of. Like, that's one of my big things that I've been praying for is like, there's no reason to be afraid. Um, But what that could look like is think about a fire. Think about like a fire being an example of like a natural struggle in your life. We all have them. So it might be pornography. It might be lying. It might be hatred. It might be racism. So we all have those like natural struggles in our life. Demonic influence, if it is present, it's like adding gasoline to that fire. And so it intensifies it in a way that like you can't, stop. So like you can have good habits. You can, you can like be reading your Bible every day. Um, but it's like, there's something that has so much power over you. Like you just can't shake it. Um, 
And when that demonic influence goes away, the fire is still there, but it's, it's not as intense. So that's like the picture. It's like that thing inside of you that you're like, man, I've like, I've prayed. I've, I've told people, like I read my Bible, but it's like, I can't stop. The truth is like, there could be some sort of demonic influence in your life. And the good news is, and this is the last point, that freedom comes through Jesus. Like you can be free today. Um, in both Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 13, Jesus spoke to both of those situations and that demon, that demonic influence was gone at the words of Jesus. Um, Jesus had authority over the devil and any sort of demonic influence. And in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 I'm sorry, 14 and 15, it says this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. First John chapter three, verse eight says this, but the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So it's not this weird thing. It's not... This whole, you know, crazy experience. It's like, no, I believe. Like, Jesus has authority over this. And today, how do we get free? And Mark chapter 5, that original text that we read about the man who came out of the caves, in verse 6, it says that he ran to Jesus. So how do we get free? We run to Jesus. Like the enemy inside of him could not stop him from running to Jesus. And so today we want to pray. Like we're going to take some time in just a few moments to pray over you. And, um, and again, we believe that through the name of Jesus that we have authority over any, any demonic influence, any sort of lie. Like we have authority over that in the name of Jesus. And so as I close today... I think the question is like, do I like, I don't, for myself, even as I was preparing, I'm like, do I need discipleship? Do I need deliverance? Like, what do I need? How do I do that? Like, how do I know? And the truth is, um, the answer is yes, right? There's probably, like I said, the enemy's good at what he does. So there may be both, or there may be one of those things that kind of sticks out to you of like, hey, I think this might be present in my life. And and I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak that to you today. But um, Jack Hayford says it this way. It's, he said, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. We need both. And um, I want to remind you that freedom is, can be in a moment, but it also can be a process. Same thing with a miracle. A miracle can be in a moment. And it can also be a process. And um, as I close today, I, I really um, kind of wrestled with how to close this message. And I felt um, in my heart, I mentioned earlier that the past year has been like a major freedom experience for myself. And I um, wanted to share that with you. And uh, I'll probably have a vulnerability hangover tomorrow. Uh, so you can pray for me. But... This is like an obedience thing for me. 
And uh, just a little bit of context on me and how I am. Like, I'm a dreamer, and I have been since I was a little girl. Like, I can remember as a child having dreams and every season of my life. And even now, like, I have dreams. Like, I have dreams for, like, how I want my home to be. I have dreams of things I want to do and places in the city that I want to live. And um, I have dreams for our church, like big dreams. I have dreams for things that I hope God would would use me to do. And um, at the same time, I'm also like a doer. So I'm a three on the Enneagram, if that means anything to you. Um, but I'm like an achievement, accomplishment-minded person. So like the the pattern of my life is like, I have a dream and then I do it. Like I have a dream and then I'm going to work to do that dream. And um, like I said, about four years ago, I moved to the city. I spent a lot of like my 20s, like really focused on doing ministry. And that was such a, has been such a huge part of my life. And about four years ago, I moved here and it's kind of like, I had this like clear picture of like my calling and kind of the future of what that would look like for me. But there was this huge dream that I had that remained unanswered. And that's a dream to be married, to be a wife, to have a family. Like that's always been a big dream that I've had. And um, it's like year after year that went unanswered. It's like I see people younger than me and, and there's so much like pressure and like everybody's getting engaged and married. And I'm like, okay, like when's it gonna be my turn? And the lies started coming. And I started to believe that like, I would only be like happy, truly happy and fulfilled if I was married to someone or if I had that dream come true. And I started to believe lies about myself. Like I'm not blank enough, like fill in the blank or comparison, like comparing myself to someone else. And I told you that the enemy is good at what he does and that lies are very personalized. So even for me, just to be completely honest with you, because of what I do, because I'm like a pastor and a leader, I've heard, you know, man, that's really intimidating. And so for me, there have been many times when I have felt like I have to like turn the volume down on who I am and who God made me to be in order to get that dream. And about a year ago, around this time, I really started dealing with anxiety and I had never like really dealt with that before. Um, but I would wake up in the middle of the night, almost the same time every night in my mind, it was just like endless what ifs. Like, what if it never happens? Like, what if, what if something's wrong with me? Like, what if, what if, what if? And I would just lay awake at night, couldn't sleep. And I started to kind of like go to people in my life. And, and the truth is like, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety because I wanted to control that area of my life. And I wanted to control it because in my experience, like, it was like, God, I can give you like every other part of my life. But this thing, like my experience has been like delay. It's been disappointment for the most part. 
It's been heartbreak. So like this thing, no. Like I'm gonna make it happen. Cause when I've allowed you to like do this, it has not worked out. And the truth is like, I could tell you that I wanted to trust God or that I should trust God, but I did not trust God with that part of my life. And um, so what did I do? Like, how did I fight that? And it hasn't been a moment, it's been a process. But every single day I wake up and I take this book and I sit down and I spend time with Jesus. And I have these index cards and on these index cards, I read them almost every day. It's just, it's no like special system. It just says lie. And it's the lie that I believed about God. Like God's withholding from me. And then there's a scripture. That's it. God's withholding from me. Well, you know what the truth is? Psalm 84 says that the Lord is our sun and shield, that he gives us grace and glory that he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. So like this, it's not a silver bullet. It's just every day, like I'm trying to fight those lies. How else did I fight it? Through deliverance. There have been times when that like spirit of fear, the best way I can describe it is it's like tormented me. There have been times that I feel like I was like inconsolable, just consumed by that fear. So it's, it's prayer. It's believing like I'm closing every door, closing every window. The enemy can have no place in my life. That spirit of fear has to go in the name of Jesus. That's it. And um, I'm not standing up here today as like, a model of perfection. I'm like, I'm just like you. Like, I'm just trying to know God and let Jesus change my life too. And um, I've, I've been praying for this moment and thinking about this moment a lot this week. Um, and I think there are some of you where you're like, yeah, I wish I just had a spirit of fear. Like, you don't know how deep my problem, my addiction the situation that I'm in. You don't know how deep it is. You don't know how long that I've dealt with it. And what I want to tell you today is it doesn't matter. The miracle is freedom. And Jesus wants freedom for you today. Find freedom was not some cool slogan to put on it like some banner somewhere. Finding freedom is real. And it's been something that I've experienced in my life this year. And um, today we want to pray for you. And so in just a few moments, we're going to stand and um, we're going to go back into worship. But I want to challenge every single person here to respond. And you can respond in one of two ways. Our prayer team, which you guys can actually go ahead and make your way to the sides. But our prayer team is going to be available today to pray for you. So if there's a lie that you've believed, that there's an area of freedom that you need in your life, this is a great opportunity to find freedom, to pray, to pray with someone. And it's also a great opportunity. The second option is just to worship. Like we're going to go back into worship together. And um, it's an opportunity for you to connect with God. And after this song of worship, I'm going to come back out and close this out. But why don't you go ahead and stand?
today. And again, I encourage and challenge every single person today uh, to respond in this moment. So God, we thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are a God of miracles. God, I thank you that this is a house of miracles. So God, today and right now and in this moment, Lord, we pray that you would come, that you would set people free, and God, that we would connect with you in a real and authentic way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.